call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 moment, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. I'm Brendan O'Sullivan-Hale, and I'm a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. Holly and I are on a brief post-general convention hiatus, so we're broadcasting some of the interviews we didn't have time to get to during the actual convention. But Holly and I miss talking to each other, and we promise that we will be back with you with a regular format episode next week. Now, last week I told you that the subject of this week's interview was a secret, but listeners, I am super excited about this. So excited that I just want to draw things out a little so you can get as excited as I am. Let me take you on a quick trip deep into the Collect Calls back catalog, all the way back to episode three, when Holly and I learned about one of the secrets of the Episcopal Church. So... Um, I'm going to take us down a little bit of a possible rabbit hole on uh, on John W. Souter uh, Sr., the author of this prayer, um, because I, I was curious, you know, just who was this guy? And uh, so I found out about this arcane office within the Episcopal Church. There is a person who is called the Custodian of the Standard Book of Common Prayer. And That's from so 19... 19- cool. Yeah, from 1932 to 1942, this guy had that job. And the duty of the custodian of the Standard Book of Common Prayer back in the day was to stay in possession of and maintain the official printer's plates of the prayer book. John W. Souter served in this role, and then from 1942 to 1962, his son, John W. Souter Jr., served as the custodian of the uh, standard Book of Common Prayer. And during that period of time, or for part of it anyway, John W. Souter Souter Jr. also served as dean of Washington National Cathedral. Interesting. So the the Souter family had this thing kind of wrapped up for a period of, what, 30 years? 30 years. So now this office still exists today. So it is currently occupied by the Reverend Gregory M. Howe, who has uh, been doing that since 2000. Now, given that books are no longer printed the same way, um, as far as I'm aware, he is not in possession of, like, the printer's plates anymore. Um, But I did find a quote from him in an interview about the uh, Book of Common Prayer app uh, that uh, that the Episcopal Church has produced saying that he was unable to certify uh, that book that is not officially the Book of Common Prayer, uh, but he did say that it is an excellent tool uh, for worship. Wow. That is super interesting stuff. And I am being completely serious, which should tell you everything you need to know about me. (laughs) (laughs) I think you've guessed who we're talking to, friends. Without further delay, I bring you the Reverend Gregory Howe, the eighth custodian of the Standard Book of Common Prayer. About a year ago, we came across a collect, and I'm struggling to remember which one it was, that was written by a former custodian of the Standard Book of Common Prayer. And that was the first time that we became aware that the office of custodian of the Standard Book of Common Prayer existed. Uh, So we uh, finally tracked down somebody who knew your email address um, and wanted to reach out to you just to learn what the custodian of the Standard Book of Common Prayer does, uh, because I imagine it's changed um, significantly over the history of the office. It certainly has. Uh, Okay, Uh, as of 1801, several conventions uh, proclaimed a Standard Book of Common Prayer. 
1940s, a committee was set up uh, to enforce the standard, and uh, most to the point of the title, uh, to take possession of the stereotype plates from which it would be printed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so custodian really referred originally to the person who held the plate and would give them out to a publisher on request and then check them out when the publisher's work was done. After the Civil War, uh, convention decided that one presbyter would suffice uh, to do the work of the previous committee and also to have possession of stereotype plates, which again is where the custodian title comes from, okay. having custody of the plates. And uh, if you check Wikipedia, you will find a listing of my seven predecessors. I am number eight since 1868, and presumably you have already heard of or will soon hear of number nine. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we haven't heard yet. I, I don't know if it's been announced, but in any event, the two of us are not aware of, uh, of who your successor is yet. Well, this is something that happens within the House of Bishops, so it may be a while getting out. So how did you get the job? Uh, basically, I'm not really sure. Uh, <laughs> I had been a companion of Frank Griswold before he became presiding bishop uh, in the 60s when uh, the business uh, of the revision with Yield in 79 was taking place. Uh, confused bishops chose clergy to send to a series of conferences about it, and he represented Pennsylvania, I represented Delaware, and we frequently traveled together. And um, shortly after my predecessor died, uh, there was some uh, agitating number of different quarters, uh, people who wanted to be the next custodian, and finally uh, I got chosen. And uh, it's a matter of PB makes the decision, presents the nominee to the House of Bishops for a vote, and that's what happens. So, you know, obviously you're not, um, the, the, the custodian these days isn't handling plates so much, but no. I've observed, uh, you know, you've been interviewed a couple of times regarding some of the digital editions of the Book of Common Prayer, yeah. um, and I guess that's the most frequent topic these days? Well, you know, again, if you look inside the front page of a prayer book, there's a small line in the middle that says certificate. Mm -hmm. And my chief responsibility is granting or not granting certificates. And that means anything from a new edition of 79, after I've checked it, to uh, a canticle verse pulled out for a musical uh, composition. Uh, or a piece of the book pulled out, such as the marriage or burial services, to be printed separately, uh, all of which I would have to approve. Do you have responsibility over the non-English language versions of the prayer book? Uh, yes. Uh, during my tenure, we did uh, four so-called selections for the Church in Europe, in French, Spanish, Italian, 
sermon, uh, and then uh, about 15 years ago, there was a mixed uh, selection of Cantonese and Mandarin for the uh, Chinese-speaking parishes of this country, and then about 10 years ago, a strictly Mandarin version for Taiwan. Hmm. So what's the most exciting thing that you got to do uh, in your capacity as custodian? I would say the four European versions. Uh, it was a little frustrating because the French and Spanish are geared to previous official versions, which are badly out of date at this point. Uh, and the uh, Italian and German were a little freer. And the idea of getting back to what had been a 19th century idea of the Book of Common Prayer in many different languages uh, was very rewarding. So do you have any advice for your successor? Well, <laughs> only that my successor will have an even more challenging job because I suspect, uh, as I had at some point, uh, he will or she will be certifying CDs as well as print books and uh, possibly other kinds of media that I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, what about the um, online versions of the Book of Common Prayer, like bcponline.org? Do you That's been sort of a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> the first one, the text was congruent, but the pages were not. Uh, I got my knuckles wrapped for that one. <laughs> um, but I think we're now pretty much under control, and the official version from Church Publishing does carry a certificate. Hmm. Well, as someone who is frequently um, referring to a prayer on a certain page number and knowing that everyone with a Book of Common Prayer is on the same page number, I thank you for that service. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's really one of the basic points has been all along from the very beginning so that everybody would be indeed on the same page. Uh, not always observed exactly because in the 19th and early 20th, uh, there were a couple of wee bookies that were too small to get everything from the standard on the page. But uh, that was minority. Well, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time with us this morning, and uh, we really appreciate uh, your service to the church. Uh, I, I don't think your role gets anywhere near the attention it deserves. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, and good luck with your work. <laughs> thank Thanks. you. Have Bye. a good day. Goodbye. Yay! Yay! <laughs> How can we be the next custodians of the Book of Common Prayer, Brendan? I think we need to go lobby Michael <laughs> Curry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, listeners, start a Twitter campaign right now. Yes. <laughs> Get out there because, look, if there are two people that love the Book of Common Prayer more than me and Brendan, I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We just yeah. talked to the custodian. Now, if we could only get a family member of, of Hatchet. Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> listeners, you, have, you, you know what your marching orders are. <laughs> And there's news on the custodian of the Standard Book of Common Prayer front. As you may have gathered in our interview, Gregory Howe has retired his post, and the presiding bishop has appointed the ninth custodian, Juan Cabrero Oliver. 
If any of you know Father Oliver, please give him our enthusiastic congratulations and tell him we want an interview. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or write a review on iTunes, even if you don't listen to us on iTunes. It'll help other people find us. You might also want to check out the other shows in the Via Media Collective, a network of podcasts with an Anglican sensibility. Find out more on Twitter at VM Collective or on the web at viamediacollective.org. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us on Twitter at The Collect Call or send us an email at thecollectcall at acts8moment.org. Our parent organization is the Acts 8 Moment at acts8moment.org or on Facebook or Twitter at acts8moment. Our music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under Creative Commons license. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. And we're closing out today with one more sample of worship led by Chaplain Lester McKenzie in the House of Deputies. Join us next week when Holly and I will be back, talking about a collect. You'll have to tune in to find out which one, because I can't remember. We are.